1: real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary.
2: Welcome to Building Sustainability podcast with me, your host, Jeffrey Hart, aka Jeffrey the Natural Builder. Every fortnight, join me as I talk to designers, builders, makers, dreamers and doers, exploring the wide world of sustainability in the built environment by talking to wonderful people who are doing excellent things. Hello and welcome to episode 67. I've got a double episode for you today with Ben Kerslake, uh, who you may remember from episode 42 back in February 2021. Uh, Then he was talking about damp problems caused by using modern plasters in older buildings. Well, today's talk is similar but more focused on insulation and the ways that insulation might cause you condensation issues. But, before we get into that, first thing, I am looking for some people to advertise on this show. They have to be very relevant to the building sustainability goals, and they need to be a solidly ethical company. Uh, So, if you have a product, or you know of a company or an organisation who would benefit from reaching more people just like you, then please get in touch via the website, com. Now, why am I doing this? Well, last episode, I boldly stated that my aim was to double the yearly downloads of this podcast because I'm trying to get the message of this podcast out to much wider audiences. Just today, I received an email saying, we would like an earth floor, but everyone says that we're mad. So my hope is that we can reach enough people that the collective idea of an earth floor isn't considered mad, that it's actually considered really sensible uh, for your own health and for the future health of the planet. So what's all that got to do with me selling adverts on this podcast? Well, I am going to take the money from the adverts sold on building sustainability and funnel them straight into actually advertising building sustainability podcast to the wider audience's on the Googles, the Facebooks, the other places that I haven't yet researched. So that's the plan. And it's sort of, it might be genius because the people buying adverts will essentially be paying to have their company heard about by more people because I will be advertising for them. So, I mean, it's genius, right? It's either that or terrible. I'm not really sure which, but... I think it'll work okay uh new patrons um this month a massive massive thank you goes to vicky collins uh and to alex munia i hope that's the right way of saying your name alex um i will be carving a spoon for alex as her reward quite soon she has gone for the five pound bracket um but i can see that she is already getting involved on the patreon site Uh, and getting in her questions for the next couple of guests, who are going to be great, by the way. I'm very excited about that. So if you want to get in on the Patreon goodness, you'll get all the bonus audio, you'll get to send in questions for future guests, and generally just be a bit more kind of involved, as well as financially supporting this uh, this podcast being produced, head to patreon.com forward slash building sustainability. And speaking of spoons... I've got a list that I made of jobs to do for the tiny house. Uh, I made it on New Year's Day and I was in bed quite a lot before midnight on New Year's Eve so that I could get up early and work on the house. Uh, I am dedicated so much so that actually I was just dozing off on, on New Year's Eve and then I realised that I hadn't bought an airtightness grommet for a cable going through the wall and so I ordered it. And then the next day I thought, I wonder what time I ordered that. And lo and behold, 11.58 on New Year's Eve, I was ordering uh, airtightness grommets. Pretty rock and roll, huh? Anyway, yes, I made the list. uh, And I ambitiously titled that list January. uh, And it should see me finishing the whole house in January. I suspect it will drag on a little bit. But the second I do finish the house or at least get to a stage where I can I can rest and relax a bit, I'm going to be carving me some spoons sat on my front doorstep, loving life. So everyone on the Patreon, hold tight, and I will be carving you your spoons soon. Speaking of the tiny house, I have been having a great old time uh, since the new year. I've been crossing items off my list daily, and yesterday I finished the wood stove, um, so right now I am super, super toasty. It is 22 degrees in here. That's maybe a little too toasty, if I'm honest. But yeah, it feels good. And today I popped a, a door on the bathroom. And tomorrow it's all about the kitchen uh, and getting the plumbing in and the sink installed. So it is all good fun stuff. And I am loving the fact that everything I do just makes this place a little bit more like a house that I can live in. Anyway, this episode, it's double episode because we just had a long old chat. It's one of those episodes where it's two builders having a chat, discussing things. We share stories. We share successes and failures. So yes, it was a a long old chat. So I stuck it over two episodes. Uh, There was no real ideal spot to break. So one will just finish and roll straight into the next. There was a couple of glitches in, uh, in Ben's audio recording not sure what was going on there they are quite minor but it is um yeah it's part of the recording so don't retune your device that's not really a thing people do anymore is it so the chat begins with a little catch-up as to what ben has been doing since his last episode enjoy i won't be back at the end i will be back at the end of part two
3: So with the, the training centre, we uh, definitely jumped in at the deep end um, and went for it um, because we'd been having so many issues with the uh, the barns that we were doing the courses from, mm. uh, plastering and pointing um, courses. And you were
2: just sort of find it, finding a barn as and when? Yeah,
3: friendly farmer. Or we were working with um, Cotswold uh, Conservation up in Leckhampton, uh, and they had a few barns that were, um, some were derelict. Um, We had a a nice open-ended barn with Cotswold stone that we could do the plastering and pointing on. Um, But even in mid-May, we were having, because it's quite high up in Leckhampton, it was that we were having sideways rain and gale force (laughs) winds and all sorts, (laughs) even in mid-May. So, um, yeah, we had one of the last courses before we took the... Took the dive and got the training centre set up. We had uh, one of the students holding one side of the projector screen, me holding the other side of the pro- projector screen. Gale force winds coming through the barn and rain, and um, just try- and trying to do the presentation, which was just not ideal. And then just mm. travelling with materials and, and just all the setup. So having the training centre is amazing. We've got everything there ready to go. We've got a really nice big space. Um, we're in the Mitchell Dean in the Forest of Dean, and it used to be, it's it's nice because it's not just on a industrial estate, um, with lots of kind of modern technologies. There's that we've got our next door neighbours. Uh, there's a wood turner next door. Oh, nice! And then the other ne- neighbour is a, a metal worker. Um, so there's just, and it used to be an old cement works.
2: Okay. Oh, that's nice to be. Uh, yeah. Like- transitioning that back from yeah well it it was a
3: transition well the the cement works was running between 1890 and um, 1904 i think so the cement there would would have been it would have been a probably a very strong hydraulic lime um Mm. it wouldn't have been a modern portland cement because of the furnaces were cooking at a lower temperature um but the quarry is just over the road and um, that they, they built the the, the limestone quarry um, which is just over the road that they, they built a tunnel through the through the rock so they could transport with a steam engine um, all the the limestone just um, under under the road and and to the the cement works and we think the steam train is still there at the back of the cement works the back up back of our training center but they've taken the wheels off they've just got the boiler um so it's built it's built into some brickwork to hold it and i I don't know whether they because then it was a a sawmill so i think either Mm. they were using it for heating or for steaming wood or i'm not sure but yeah it's got some good history and and the the uh, quarry is now a nature reserve but the limestone that they were getting there's some um, there's some amazing clay there that's just it's like modeling clay there's no stone in it it's just pure Mm. clay that um obviously they were mixing they were quarrying the limestone and the clay so that it was a pot to to cook with the limestone to make this kind of natural cement which would have been yeah a lot softer and more flexible than a portland cement so so yeah my boys uh, love the my two little boys they love the clay up there so they collect a little bit of the clay and they do some modeling and they stick it in the oven and but it's it's amazing stuff so yeah it would be lovely for a, a clay plaster but it's as it's a nature reserve we can't really start quarrying again. yeah
2: <laughs> that's a hopefully a one-way uh, sort of transition to, to nature yes reserve. yeah <laughs> um nice and then um and then how are the course is going because i've seen like you are it just seems like the the lime and uh, sort of pointing stuff seems to be going from strength to strength
3: yes it's been great actually we we didn't know how uh popular it would be but we've got um mm. yeah our courses are going selling out really nicely we're getting a lot of homeowners that have been struggling to find tradesmen to do the work um Mm. so they're they're coming on especially because the pointing is so um with the mix that we're using um it's so easy to use and forgiving um that they can get really up to speed um in in a, just in the day um yeah just um so they can tackle the these these jobs themselves also the same we've had some really good um good results with our, our plastering we did have one um, one lady that came on a, a plastering course and she only did the uh, level one and then went off to do um she did a whole house and she did the most beautiful uh, clay splashback in the kitchen um, instead of tiling um with kind of, kind of clay plasters and mica there was just amazing so yeah it's much better than the one I'd done in my house (laughs) so yeah she was definitely student of the month Um, and we've had quite a few people um, coming on um, that are in the trade plasterers looking to um, uh, start working with natural materials or um, breathable materials and materials that work with older properties so that's really good yeah, So we, what we really want to do is uh, be able to offer tradespeople to come onto a whole um, level of uh, courses to 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 upskill and and uh, mm. so yeah, we're really really pleased with how it's going.
2: Oh, that's great to hear. Um, yeah, I've, I've it's been lovely to watch uh, you on the your social media. Just it's sort of the the constant you know, leveling up of uh, of what's happening has been. Uh, a joy to watch.
3: It's been really, I've been really enjoying it as well because it's, um, seeing people, especially homeowners come in that have never picked up a hawk and trowel before and be able to do a a few square meters and get it really nice and get a really good finish. Um, and and see how excited they are about being able to go back and actually do some of the work themselves is, is really good because, um, a lot of it is just getting, um, understanding what mix, um, works well uh in different ways so um and uh yeah we've had uh we've had a few people come on and they've done their top coat and they before they they floated it up um before they've even sort of sponged it and started to finish or even put a skim into it they're they're saying that's it that's all i want to know because that's better than what's in the rest of the house already so <laughs> so so yeah that's um and we've had um some people go away and they've been quite there's been some sort of quite rustic finishes, but then that looks really beautiful in its own way as well, because it's got a bit of texture to it, so
2: yeah, you know what we did this uh clay plastering job at the design museum i did see, yeah I and, saw that uh, yeah and we um so all of the plasterers, yeah, you know, it's sort of like we were laying on these these clay uh backing coats with uh straw daub like fermented straw daub to uh, to sort of mesh it all together. And we we floated them up and all of the plasters went, We should finish there. That is the most beautiful thing. Uh, yeah. and then the clients came around and they were like, oh, I wish we'd known about that before. And sort of everyone was just stood there looking at a backing coat and just going, like, that is that is the one. Uh obviously then we went and put on like the the fine, super fine finishes and everyone, you yeah, know, loved those as well. We're sort of now trying to guide our uh, clients to to go for that more open surface. Yes, um, and it's better. It's better performing because exactly. you've got so much more surface area. Um, but yeah, uh, it's well. Everyone wants that. Like they've got that gypsum idea that it should be like super smooth and and closed. Uh, so it's a hard, hard thing to sort of yeah, they're already going to a different material. Uh, that's sort of like a step, step enough for a lot well, of people. A lot
3: of clients that we go and see, when they we get to a point and and uh, generally we say to them like this, and and to the students as well, this open texture, um, it's not rough and it can be, once it's kind of finished and painted, it can look pretty perfect anyway, especially if you've got to paint with a roller. If you go to a uh, gypsum wall and use a, a roller with maybe a quite a thick um, thick pile on the roller, you're going to get quite a bit of texture in the paint finish. So why go to that extent of getting it absolutely perfect when you're going to have a bit of texture anyway? And actually, the more you close off and the more you trowel the finish, the, the slower it's going to absorb and desorb moisture. So yeah, like you say, it's affecting performance. So really for the high performing, um, plaster really to have that slightly open texture and maybe, um, and even you finish with a sponge and, and the, if you keep sponging it up, uh, after it's, um, dried the next day, maybe you get a lot of that sandy texture fall away. And when you paint it, it kind of fills those, uh, tiny little, um, voids um and it's it's pretty smooth that you'd be hard pressed to uh to see the difference and it kind of it the way it reflects light is different as well so it's kind of mm. not so harsh and it just gives it it makes the colors look nicer as well so it, i think it is the ideal finish so a lot of the kind of talking to the students is is um and looking at trying to make these not have to use a skim but actually, finishing off with these these layers of of um, of paint or or lime wash or yeah um, whatever that, that it actually looks it looks just as good
2: yeah well yeah I mean I'm sorry. yeah and that uh, skimming <laughs> can
3: be quite a faff especially with um, with limes as well because it's it, it's a natural material it's not going to go off like gypsums so quick um, and uh, see it can it can slow the job down quite a lot and then and it's the same Mm. with uh, kind of going coming to insulation it's the the same with um open and closed cell insulation so i mean when you've got the the sort of more natural materials you're using for insulation they're more sort of open to um so moisture and those uh, um so yeah they're, they're they're working the same as, as how that the lime and clay and, and the old materials are working. So that's kind of why they work so well with uh, old buildings and damp.
2: Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, that's the the main thing we're going to talk about today, isn't it? Good old insulation. Yes,
3: because um, how we got started was with, uh, Kate and I, my partner, um, she sent out uh, a survey about insulation and if people would be interested in um because we're trying to broaden our our courses um, because at the minute we're mostly doing um uh plastering line plastering um and point line pointing courses but i i want to work more with clay and i've been um, using clay much more and um and, and testing different mixes and how it works um and we wanted to look at because we need to insulate our house um so we've been looking at Mm -hmm. kind of options we've been living here for six or seven years now and some of the issues we found with with how we insulate different parts of the house has been quite confusing even even for me as well even though i've been working in the industry for a long time it's um Mm. And just knowing how your house works. So we sent out a survey and um, we got back. So many people came back um, being interested and wanted to know more about how they should be insulating a solid wall um, and not because they were worried about um, creating damp, which is definitely something that happens. You can, you can, by insulating, you can kind of cause a lot of problems with damp within the building Mm. And um, and products, and just kind of what products should be used. So, it's um, we wanted to start, bring, we're going to do our insulating month in February. And because we aren't the experts, we wanted to talk to other people and get more people involved. So, Kate's been speaking to Cornish Lime um, to do some CPDs, some online um, courses and talks. Um, and we're going to be doing some uh, courses at the training centre about um, classroom courses, talking about insulation um, options and um, what you should do and what you shouldn't do. And uh, and then mm-hmm. also doing some practical, which should be quite good. So we'll be looking at um, uh, using hemp lime um, in form work or sp- sprayed hemp lime um, and also... Um, I'm really interested in in straw as well, using straw and clay, um, which I've used before. It works really well, and it's just it's very easy to use as well because you're kind of just you can use it as a mold and, and using form works. So um, that's where we, it started really, and and I need to and I'd needed to find out so much more because since I since I did my uh, MSC, there's so many which is oh, how many years ago now. So yeah well over 10 years ago now so, so many different products are on the markets
2: yeah well just since i um uh, since i've built this uh, well, i say i've built this as you can see uh this <laughs> it's, it's not quite nearly finished there. yet. uh <laughs> yeah maybe um yeah just since i picked all my insulation so you know six months ago uh i was just having a little browse through uh sort of insulation yesterday and I found a whole load of hemp, hemp and jute, uh, insulation that wasn't available yeah. six months ago. So yeah, like the, the, the amount of, of stuff that's, that's coming onto the market is, is, you yeah, know, really growing. And someone else sent me a sample of some, it's like wool and sizal insulation. Okay. I, I think they just, they're just testing that now. Uh, so it's, yeah, it's a real, uh, growing market. Um, which is great. I mean, yeah, it, it shows that there's a, a demand and a need. Um, and I was, as I'm sure you, you found out with your survey, it's that, you know, people want to do it the right way and they don't want to use, you know, nasty materials. And it's either cost or, like, um, just lack of information that's, yeah. that's stopping them. Yeah,
3: definitely a lack of information as well, and which is why we had such a problem with um, all the cavity walls being... Um, in filled with either with, with either i mean some of them were spray foam and which were just uh causing so many damp mm. issues because they were the, the the cavity where um moisture is 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 supposed to be and designed to to condensate and escape it was condensating and then couldn't escape so that it was just causing so many damp problems and now i think the government was giving money for people to do that to their houses and now they've been giving money for to people to take it all out again i think they were it was grants of 10 yes. grams to which probably doesn't really cut it but yeah i mean
2: well there's now now specialists isn't there of uh cavity wall insulation removal <laughs> specialists yeah which <laughs> which i think is a, a hilarious well i mean it's sort of tragic rather than hilarious but um well let's well let's then start at the beginning uh and just talk about like. Right, the, the basic principles of insulation like what what is insulation and how does it how does it work
3: so the way insulation works is the fact that it's got lots of um air pockets or or it stops the um uh there's not the more dense the material is for instance um concrete or even um granites anything that's really dense there's just Uh, heat can transfer through it much more easily especially metal so you can see when your metal gets transfers heat so fast because it's so dense and and then you've got towards the other end of the spectrum um wood where you've got much more um gaps inside basically air gaps where it just slows that that transfer of, of heat so so the best kind of insulators are something that's just got as many of these, uh, voids as possible. So sheep's wool. So it's just, it just slows that, that movement of heat through. Yeah. And with a solid, solid walls, which kind of we're coming back to it's, um, they generally, a lot of the natural materials that, uh, so the lime and earth and, and stone, there are quite a lot of, uh, tiny, tiny voids that, um, that make it porous, um, that either fill with air to, to give it some insulation or uh, they can also fill with with moisture so um which where you get damp issues from but as soon as they're filled with moisture moisture conducts heat so readily that you get you just lose that insulation then and that's where we find damp pools are so bad so if you look at some of the um thermal imaging you can see that sometimes I've, I've seen some pictures of some um, houses where they've just got a you can see where there's a damp patch on the wall outside because there might be a bit of algae growing or you can there's a crack in the cement where there's you can see it's moisture and then it just relates completely to the thermal imaging camera where you've just got probably more heat loss from that spot than from the single glaze window um so it's just that that slowing down of heat transfer
2: <laughs> and uh and that that cold spot where you've got the damp will then condensate the, exactly. the warm air and you've got compounding issues of, of more dampness
3: exactly that's what we see a lot of the times where there might be um, quite a lot of moisture that's absorbed into these these microscopic voids um, and is storing the moisture uh heat's just transferring through but it might not be wet enough to actually come all the way through to the inside of the wall um it's not it's not soaked in that much but just because it's there's some damp in that area um it's the heat is is just escaping through that cold spot so fast that then that cold area uh, the warm moist air from inside touches it and cools down so fast that you get condensation on the surface then so you've just getting you're getting damp from penetrating damp and also condensation and and this is where these uh kind of modern materials like gypsum um, just get overwhelmed because they're so slow to absorb moisture and they're so dense um, that once they've taken the moisture on, um, they start to just go through this cycle of um, it evaporates, salts come to the surface, that absorbs more moisture and you get into this cycle of um, salt and moisture creation um, and the water from outside hasn't even managed to get inside yet so it's just it's on its way through so so it's definitely a
2: fine balance um
0: we'll be back after
1: a quick break hey there i'm mick from the mick and pat show that's right and i'm pat looking for a podcast that's like catching up with the old friends well you're in luck we're here to bring
2: you weekly doses of lifestyle commentary discuss culture and politics and top
1: it off with the occasional beer and film reviews But it's not just about us. We're a community. Our listeners are our kin, and we let you all have a say in what we discuss. So saddle up and join the conversation at the Mick and Pat Show. You can check out our website or find us wherever you get your podcasts.
2: Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) um so hey we're we're sidetracking into uh into other materials no no that's fine i should say anyone that wants to know more about uh damp proofing uh or dealing with damp issues through uh through you know good material choices in terms of plaster or pointing check out ben's other episode it is episode 42 um we've been talking about uh solving damp issues with uh with using lime and uh, good materials like that yes right that's the plug over let's get back to the the topic in hand uh so insulation so we've got this these insulating materials that have trapped loads and loads of little pockets of air um so yeah you, know, you can imagine a straw bale uh between the bits of straw, there's lots of pockets of air, but also actually yeah. in the fibres of the material, uh, they are trapping air. I and mean, at, at this point, you have to kind of say, like, the man-made materials like the foams and the uh, uh, the gels at the, the very high end, um, I mean, they are... What they've done is they've created a material which has got the tiniest possible bubbles of air and packed the most of them in, and so they've made an incredible insulator um, in terms of you know how well they actually just just stop heat transferring. But obviously, that's not the whole issue when used in a building material. You know, in terms of just how it's done uh, in a in lab testing, perform really well, but in, in real world situations, they are riddled with problems. Uh, and I think we'll talk about that. A lot more later, um, but I just wanted to sort of highlight that actually you know um how do you say it <laughs> the The smaller the pockets of air, and the more compactly you have, them, yes. the better an insulator it'll be. I think is what I'm trying to say
3: that's your u value, so that's just stopping the transfer of heat, but we know that there's so many more elements to how a building needs to work, and maybe a roof you need to think about it differently because um, you don't need to worry quite so much about um, cold bridging of the, the material. You've got, you've got the timber, which actually is quite a good insulator as it is. Um, it can still cause cold bridging. So just putting insulation between the rafters, you're going to get some cold bridging between the timbers. So the insulation is a better insulator than the timber. So you're going to have potentially colder spots where the timber is which therefore means that's where it's going to be more likely to get condensation happening either within the timber or around the timber
2: where you where you don't want moisture around your your nice nice bit of wood
3: so wrapping the timber um and especially having some insulation on the outside of the timber of the roof is a really good thing sometimes it's not possible because just not taking your whole roof off you're not taking all those tiles slates ever off to, to, to put back on again so um so then you might want to wrap it inside as well so
2: i think i mean this idea of, of cold bridging i think um it's i mean it's one of the big causes of damp that i've seen um when you know there's a, a metal lintel put in yeah. which spans from the inside of the building to the outside um you know the the, the condensation that's that's forming on those cold bridges is is um yeah I mean it's it's a significant amount. Definitely. Um, and so I think I, yeah, I feel like that's not a, a particularly well understood thing. And I even you know, I got some plans through from an architect and this was a new build and it you know, called it an eco build. And it had these big concrete pillars with bifold doors in at the front. And then, you know nice insulation around the back, and the the concrete pillars were a huge cold bridge, the bifold doors you know a weak insulation spot, and the whole front of the house had no insulation and it 's like how as you know as an architect, how can you design something where there 's no insulation uh, it just absolutely baffled my mind and and it's like and people not so there's a the sort of the thinking is. You should have a, a wrap of insulation everywhere. You know, there, there should be no area where where it's not a, the, the sort of thermal envelope is is what it's called. And yeah, the, the fact that this this high end architect had no idea of that.
3: I think that happens a lot. The concept of how how both moisture and heat um, move through a building um, and the consequences of 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 what happens where 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 moisture is always going to move through a building and if it's either trapped um or it manages to cool down within the building fabric it will condensate and cause actually it can cause really high levels of damp and i th- there was i think there were some really high profile problems with timber frames i think it was the 80s where this happened where there was um, plastic membranes internally and externally. And the internal membranes have been, um, there's holes put in for electricity, pipes, builders like sticking hammers through them. Um, so moisture was getting in and then just not being able to escape and a lot of rot happening. But I mean, this, we also, this, it had a lot when we were first building um, and insulating cavities and new builds where the window reveals where the the, the brickwork, um, the two leaves would meet um, where the window fitted in. Even though some of those cavities weren't insulated, just the fact that there was the air gap there, there wasn't so much of a, of a transfer of heat, um, whereas the dense material that went all the way th- through from internally to externally where the windows were fitted, that's where there'd always be really bad condensation because of that cold bridging um mm. just because that that wall was in contact with the outside air it was uh, it was just that little bit colder and again just around windows generally there that's a point for condensation as well because it can be just slightly colder because of that that wall is closer to the outside so window detailing is really um important and even cold bridging we see from internal walls of a, an old stone cottage. Um, we've worked on a, a, a lot uh, around the Forest of Dean where we've got, um, it's an internal wall. So it's, it's, it's a dividing wall internally in the house. But because it's built straight onto the ground, um, it's the bottom of that wall can be just either a few degrees colder than the middle of the wall or the top of the wall because it's in contact with the ground um so we see a lot of people thinking there's rising damp in their in their buildings because just the bottom of the wall maybe the bottom foot or two is um there's bubbling paint um there's salts coming um so people think it's it's rising damp moisture coming up from the ground but a lot of the time We've taken the plaster off, and it's absolutely bone dry underneath it's just because it's the few degrees colder because it's touching the touching the ground, and it's the warm, moist air comes through from from the rest of the house it's touching all those surfaces, and as it touches that colder surface, it's condensating because warm air can hold much more moisture in it than cold air, so as that that warm air that's holding maybe a normal amount of moisture, 70% relative humidity, for instance. Tu-
2: for this country. Yeah. yeah, it
3: touches that that wall um, and cools down just a few degrees. That'll go up above 100% relative humidity. And that air cannot hold that moisture anymore. And it gets left behind on the surface. And if that keeps happening, the walls absorb the moisture and yeah. evaporate, bring salts to the surface, especially with modern materials, um, gypsum and cement um and these sort of things and then just and causes these these problems that look like kind of rising damp or penetrating damp which are just it's just condensation
2: i i think you as someone who works in existing buildings uh as opposed to me who generally works in a uh, new build like the for me i can design and with my house i have designed the you know, there is well i can i can point to like six thermal bridges in this house and that's all that exists uh and they are tiny little where i've had to do a screw from the inside uh yeah i can design a very very efficient building because i'm building from scratch whereas you you going into an existing house with you know existing details existing partition walls you know and insulating that uh, I mean, it's a whole world of <laughs> difficult.
3: Yes, which which is why it's that it's the most important to 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 go down your tick list of of where you need to hit first, which is what we were mm. we were talk wanted to talk about. Um, and ideally, like what you probably thought of first is just stopping the drafts. Fit, just. Yeah. Making an airtight envelope because that is where you're going to lose most of your heat.
2: I think it's it's twenty percent of uh, of your sort of inefficiencies in a house come from just air getting in through the letterbox, under the door, around the windows. Yeah, and that's a, a pretty significant number.
3: Exactly, and the more you heat, the faster you speed up that cycle, don't you? The, so it just speeds up the the, the drafts, and um, so working on those is really Really important, and what's great about using lime and um, and these kind of natural plasters is that it's really easy to fill gaps and just mould stuff and just kind of. But this is also why it's kind of when you've got buildings um, that you're retrofitting, it's it's much easier, much it works much better to insulate the outside of the building first. Um, Mm. So then, because if you insulate inside. You're always going to have as that is exactly the same as principle uh, condensation when you've got um, air moving through the wall and it's holding moisture, which it's always going to do. There's always going to be that um, air movement through through a wall, even in a new build, um, and as it moves through from the warm side of the wall to the cold side of the wall, as it cools, it's going to condensate, which is what interstitial condensation is so if you can have your insulation on the outside of a solid wall then it's generally going gonna gonna to condensate on the outer side of that insulation um, whereas if you've got it on the inside it's going to condensate much more towards the inner side of that solid wall so it, it's uh, in an ideal world which isn't always the way it's it's insulating the outside and i think that's why um lime had so much uh, more of a, a revival um i think it's kind of in the 90s when the germans were making their super insulated buildings new builds um, and it was just timber frames with with huge amounts of insulation with them within them and then they'd be just rendering the outside with uh, a cement based or plastic based render And what they found was the render was constantly failing because the air and the water vapor within the air moved through the building towards the outside. As it cooled down towards the outside of the insulation, it condensated and then was trapped by this um, impervious render. So that's why they started really looking into using lime and breathable renders um, just to allow that moisture to escape and stop those failures, which is what I need to do in my house i've got um a, a brick a brick built old house i don't really want to lose the the bricks on the outside in in, in some of the places because it's kind of probably 1750 to 1800 some really beautiful handmade bricks um but on another part of the house there's the the same bricks but it's been an extension built fairly recently within the last 50 years or so and they've used a really hard cement so and the difference between heat loss is is so much more where they've used this cement we really suffer from um from damp and and the cold there and i think it's mostly the damp is created by the the cold um and there's probably moisture being trapped in those bricks or um because there's a the cement's almost just creating a barrier and, and also because it's so dense allowing heat to transfer so much quicker i, I want to there i don't mind losing the the, the look of the the bricks because they got cement in them anyway yeah. it looks you can tell i want, I want to insulate outside you there you can tell you are the, the, the you <laughs> can tell it looks awful um and thankfully thankfully we've got a really big overhang on that area of the roof so nice. we've got space to put 4 to 6 inches of either um i mean maybe a wood fiber board that i um lime lime render or i mean it would be lovely to do um a sprayed uh, hemp and lime on the walls or or even i mean the cheapest and nicest option would be just to to use a shuttering and use um clay and straw to pack in i mean it'd be extremely cheap work extremely well low embodied energy and i could do it in, in my own time um but it's just a a lot more work but
2: i'd love to see that i've not yeah it's definitely a labor intensive thing uh, we had um well, we had sort of team of of five just packing in the area uh, above a straw bale wall so okay just that, yeah that's sort of um yeah it took a team of five mixing uh, probably probably a team of six yeah because there's someone digging the clay as well uh yeah took them three days i think to do a a sort of a perimeter which was about 30 meters by like a you know uh 300 mil so it's it's a slow process definitely Uh, it's a labor intensive process
3: but It's that, that energy that's that like you're using instead of um kind of manufacturing energy, which is good. But if yes, there's definitely a payoff. Um,
2: well, if you can, um, I would say it's a great thing to do because it's so, I mean, not being rude to anyone, it's kind of a like a what's the, the term not a skillless task, you know, it's, it's a task that anybody can do, yeah. Um, and so. It's a great thing for a sort of community. You know, you get a whole load of your mates round, get everyone covered in in mud and straw, and you all stand around a big table mixing this stuff, and you're chatting, and then you chuck it in the walls. And at the end of the day, everyone has a beer, and it's a nice time. Exactly. Uh, it's if you can if you can reframe that that sort of energy or how much uh, time it takes into something positive. I think it's a, a really good method.
3: The learning curve is so. It's so steep. I mean, as soon as you start using it, you get the feel for it. Um, Mm. And it seems to be a lot of the way with these materials. And even the sort of, well, especially the lime mixes that we're teaching on the course is it's so forgiving. um, And you've got a second chance to kind of to go back at it and have another go. It's not just like a lot of the modern materials where you, you put it on and you've got a certain amount of time to get it good. If you don't, that's it. You've had it you've there's and a lot of these kind of more um um either natural materials or materials with sort of lower embodied energy and and work well with old buildings um they have got this this really steep learning curve where you can just you can get you can get good really quick and you can really get the feel for it and they're much more forgiving so and just shaping Mm. stuff like because you're you can either use it um because you're just you're molding it with your hands a lot of the time it's just it's people get 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 good at it very quickly um so yeah it's yeah. Uh, we'll see I might end up because I haven't got the most amount of time to spend on my own house, which is a shame. I might end up using um, <laughs> always the case <laughs> a wood fiber board that I just fix to the to the outside and then plaster and um, but I would really l- love to to use a either a hemp lime or straw clay um but we'll see yeah. it's not a massive amount of wall space so i think i could yeah like you say i might have to get some friends together and get the barbecue and beers out and that might be enough to get some free labor
2: <laughs> yeah well give me a shout yeah a, a fun one okay yeah.
3: brilliant i will
2: <laughs> if that's what convinces you to go <laughs> straw play
3: yeah <laughs> and it'd be a really good uh, test bed as well
2: yeah no absolutely i mean that's uh that's sort of the thing isn't it uh I mean, there's lots of things on this house that I'm experimenting with and I'm not doing it strictly, you know, what the, the instruction manual says. And I can do that because it's my house. Yeah. Um, you can't, very rarely can you do that on a, a paying client's house where there's a warranty involved. And, uh, you know, if it goes wrong, then you, you're liable and have to go and fix it. Yes, yes. Yeah. Well, the way I wanted to, to take this was to look at um maybe the different sections of a building, um, whether that's new build or or sort of retrofit. And then we'll sort of talk about the different insulation options um in those those spots. And and we've mentioned, you know, so the walls, that's sort of the big the big area. That you probably wouldn't do first. I think we'll talk a little bit more about orders, but uh, the walls is a sort of big, big one, top, big topic to talk about. And so we've said, yeah, you, know, you can do an external insulation, and that's quite often the best. Yeah, you know, you've got that thermal mass on the inside, which is yes, uh, really, really helpful for sort of internal comfort. It's also kind of largely bypassing um, the, the sort of dew point issues hopefully yes you know it, it it always depends you can also do an internal insulation um and i just sort of wanted to sort of you know maybe do like what's the pros and cons of internal versus
3: external so i mean like we've said ideally insulating the outside would be would be the best option um which obviously not everyone can do because of if i mean if a lot of people love um, with a solid wall of their stone um,
2: yeah some people are listed
3: listed conservation areas um, and like me I want to I wanna, I do want to keep my wife won't Kate won't allow me to uh, cover up the nice original brickwork uh, house but insulating the outside just gets away from a lot of the problems of of um, that condensation happening yeah um, within the wall
2: I suppose there's, there's details, isn't there? Because some people, so if they're in a more modern house, more they don't tend to have as big an overhang on the roof. Yes. And yeah. so, so if you're adding, you know, a big chunk of insulation on the outside, then you've also got to extend the roof, uh, all your yeah. window sills. Uh, so it's just not gonna,
3: not gonna happen. Um, I have yeah. seen some of the EWIs, the external wall insulation systems that are just basically polystyrene that they're putting on solid walls and just trapping moisture, which is terrible. But a lot of I've seen that they come with their own little plastic roofs.
2: <laughs> oh, yes. I think I've seen those.
3: Oh, it's terrible. And but, anyway, <laughs> but so there's some, so a lot of the time your only option is in is insulating the inside. Um and if you watch uh for instance George's George Clark's um got a restaurant i can't remember what the program is is called now but um when, whenever they've got an old building and they've bought the old building that needs doing up because they love the details of it the the kind of just everything about it they've fallen in love with this building for what it is and it's just mm. so sad to see that it becomes at the end of the day they end up ripping everything out um, and using a just a foam board insulation in internally to give them a, a level of insulation that they think they need um but it changes the way the whole building works so you've you've basically made it into um a caravan because i mean you've got the only when you heat that space because you've got all this insulation on on the inside and there's no thermal mass of the building to store that that heat you just have to heat the the air in that room Um, and then as soon as you um, open a door or there's any air movement um, that warm air as soon as that escapes that's it you need to heat the air again so you end up heating a lot more than what you would have needed if you've got Um, I mean ideally if you've insulated the outside the the um, the wall the solid mass of the wall which we call the thermal mass so it can it can hold heat and store heat like a storage heater um, in the old days um, you'd be able to get that once you've heated that that wall um, it doesn't really want to lose the heat to the outside because of the insulation it wants to lose that heat back inside so once your uh, air temperature drops below the heat of the walls the walls are gonna gonna heat the air again so it kind of works really nicely so finding a system that works that both that has both um a good installation value and and it has some thermal mass to it as well but Mm. also absorbs and releases moisture readily then that that it's not just the u-value that's the most important it's it's those three factors then it's going to work really well and you might not need such a high level of of u-value insulation um, because those three concepts are kind of working together to deal with with everything really yeah it's
2: one of the, the sort of downfalls of uh the way that we test uh so insulation you know the u-value is given like this very high status um but that is it's how it conducts heat in a lab condition it's not you know how a house is used you know you put the heating on uh you know you open the doors you go outside you do all, you know there's how we actually live is slightly more complicated than just or you know, that what we need from our insulation is slightly more complicated than just how well it stops heat being transferred. Um and and so it it's a thing that comes up again and again. And I remember being at uh it was Eco Build in London, and we were on the sort of natural material stand and a uh, a person came up and said, you know, I I don't understand why i choose hempcrete over, you know, this foam. And uh, the guy I was with, uh, James Newton, he started talking about, you know, how the the mass inside hempcrete, so hempcrete is insulation and mass from the lime and the sticky bits of, of hemp, uh, sort of stalky bits of hemp. It actually outperforms its U-value by, you know, in real-world situations, you know, quite considerably. Exactly. Uh, yeah, and this person uh, just sort of turned and said, I know what, I know what U value is and I know what mass is and you can't have both. And uh, and I remember James just very politely going, Hmm. Okay. (laughs) Uh, But yeah. And it's sort of like, and I actually, you know, that person, I sort of until, you know, only a little bit before I had that same opinion. It's like you have mass at one end of the scale and you have insulation at the other. And it was actually only in talking through this podcast, To Lucy Pedler. And she was saying, she was talking about wall insulation. And she said, you know, if you can use wood fiber over like wool or foam or anything like that, uh, the mass in your wood fiber means that it's a a better performing product. And that is why I have splurged out, like, I've got a big weight constraint in my house. Regular listeners will be utterly (laughs) bored of me talking about that uh but i splurged out i was like yes i am gonna go wood fiber for all my insulation which is heavy you know twice as heavy as as uh wool Mm. because i want that i want that thermal mass and do you know what i've i feel it so much i've also got loads of cork um which uh again it's an insulator that's that's got mass and how it feels is i warm the space overnight and then I'd come in in the morning. This is when I was not living in the, the building. Come in in the morning. I'd open the doors, get loads of fresh air in, and I'd feel the heat like radiating out at me. And it's like it's a really intense and sort of pleasant feeling. Uh, and with the doors and windows open for, I mean, the whole morning, I'd have them open, and I'd still be feeling this heat radiating at me.
3: And if you'd used foam insulation like Celotex, you wouldn't get that mm. at all. You, as soon as that warm air leaves the building, you are having to heat again, and which is, I exactly. made a really poor decision um, six years ago when we first when we first moved into the house. We realised that the roof was leaking; there was no felt, um, and it was leaking where the roof line came down. It was almost touching the the beams of the first floor, so we had water pouring in the ends of the beams. So I did have a bit of a panic, um, yeah, but I made a poor decision. And because we didn't have a lot of space where some of the bedrooms, where the bedrooms are in half of the roof space, so there's not much room to to insulate. We did raise the roof. We took the whole roof off so we could raise the roof off up slightly. And I did use some really nice, um, um, it's not quite breathable enough, but we used an insulating uh, breathable roofing felt. On top of the rafters to try and stop those rafters being in contact with the cold air and the cold bridging but i in those areas i thought i because i only had three to four inches um of space before i started encroaching on the actual physical space of the room i decided to use celotex um and in the winter it's not too bad um it it doesn't lose heat particularly fast, but in summer the overheat is is huge because because there's no thermal mass there's nothing when those rooms heat up um because they're at the top of the house there's there there's dormer windows um actually the heat can move through the the Ceratex, uh, it just overheats really quickly and because there's no thermal mass in those rooms really. Um, because it's all roof, they overheat so quickly. If I'd have used um, the wood fibre, hemp fibre, anything that's got an element of thermal mass to it as well, it could have absorbed that heat and buffered the um, the heating of the air in the room so it wouldn't have overheated so quickly. So because you're not going to have... I mean, they start overheating just after midday, just sort of after lunch when in the summer when the sun's come up early. So they've got about... F- five hours or so before it starts overheating because because it's just heating up their air so even though we use something with the kind of the best u-value we could afford um actually because it hasn't it wasn't work it doesn't work particularly well with moisture it doesn't work particularly well with with buffering the heat and the the cough um it wasn't the best thing to do so um yeah, it's a bit of a shame, but um,
2: I mean, what could you do? You could fill the room with fill uh, mass, fill bottles of water. Well, that's
3: really, really interesting because uh, what they used to do in, I think it might have been Iran. I've got it in one of my Earth Earth Building books where they used to have these in front of the the, the openings. Um, they used to have these um, big solid stone columns, um, so they'd heat as they got heated up um, during the day. Um, and it, then it suddenly went freezing cold. They spin these stone columns round so that the heated the heated side radiated back in, or just using those thermal masses. Obviously, for the, the different way the different way because they're dealing with heat rather than. Um, but yeah, I've, I've got to do something.
2: Yeah, it's a thing uh, with uh, so an empty fridge is is less efficient than a full fridge because of all the all the things in your fridge are acting as mass. So, the best thing you can do is actually fill up your fridge you know just put bottles of of water in there if you've got loads of space, and they're going so
3: they're storing the cold exactly. okay, yeah.
2: And then your fridge doesn't have to work as hard because it's you know it's maintaining that temperature. So I wonder if you could do that in your your bedrooms, just make a decorative <laughs> I mean I've got loads of um, loads of wine that's all uh bubbling in uh, in demijohns. I mean, I've just realised that I've created a fantastic thermal mass store there.
3: Perfect. Uh (laughs) So that's the way (laughs) forward.
2: Everyone should be making their own wine. Excellent. So, I mean, we're just, we're labouring the the thermal mass insulation thing a lot. But uh, I just wanted to say, I noticed the thing yesterday. Uh, I I had to move a load of stuff from one shed to another and I had to move these big sheets of of insulation, uh, like foam insulation. And the way I stacked them created like this little shelf where it was insulation on on the floor and the and on the the side. And I was walking down the hill the other day, and I noticed that the cat uh, who lives down in the valley was just nestled in that that little bit of insulation. And it, yeah, you know, it's getting heat reflected back from its its body heat back to its uh, into itself by by sort of two sides of insulation. And I thought that is a smart cat. And then I remembered yeah. that that same cat in the summer, whenever you drive out in the late afternoon, it's lying on one of the big tombstones at the the church here. Yeah. So in the summer, it's there uh, taking the, the the thermal mass of the uh, and you know using the sun. And as the sun just goes down, the cat's on that big lump of thermal mass to to have it like radiate its heat back out. And in the winter, that's it. he finds a little bit of insulation to nuzzle into. I thought, ah, just look at what the cats are doing. Like, that's, that's how we need to. Yeah, <laughs> no, that's it.
3: Hold up.